So we are continuing this series, as Dom said, on being centred on Jesus. And so far, we have uh, talked about Jesus being our hope, um, he's life, um, he's our rescuer. Last week, we uh, learned about Jesus being the truth, and today we're focusing in on Jesus being our advocate. And what we're going to be thinking about is how Jesus positions himself next to us in our mess and how he speaks to the Father, advocating for us. And we're going to think about what it is that we hear them say and how that speaks life to us and silences the enemy. So you can see what I mean, that we've just looked at all of that and experienced God's presence in that in the worship time. Uh, So well-led team. Thank you so much. So this series that we're doing is based on this amazing book, Gentle and Lowly, and um, by Dane Ortland. And I really want to recommend this book. Um, If you haven't already read it, it's a book that you need to savour. It's a book that you need to walk in for a while. It's it's really brilliant. Ashley, just give me a show of hands. Has anyone already read that book? Okay, cool. And people, has anyone got a copy that they haven't read yet? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so good. And then, um, would anyone like a free copy? Great. There you go. Do you want to come and get it? Do you want to come and get it? Um, and I'll, I'll leave. John, can you? Great. And um, who likes to journal? Does anyone like to journal? Give me a show of hands. Does anyone like to journal? Not so many. Would anyone like to learn to journal? Okay, well, I've got two journals here which are ready to give away, and these are based on Gentle and Lowly, and they've got an overview of the chapters in them and then a few pages for you to walk with the Lord in. So, three, two, one, hands up. <laughs> Jane, have a journal. Let's give one to a youth. Let's get your youth going with this. That's great. Good one. You know what to do. Put your hand up. That's great. Love it. Brilliant. <laughs> Sorry. I think, well, that's about it now. (laughs) So um, that's really good. That's really good. So if you've got a Bible, can you turn to 1 John 2, verse 1? And while you do that, I just really want to pray. God, I just want to ask you to help us to hear your heart this morning. Jesus, would you help us to know your truth so that we can walk in the peace And the power of it. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 John 2 verse 1. Um, I'm going to read from the ESV. And it says this, very simple. My little children, some versions say my dear children. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's it. Short and sweet. But oh my goodness, there's so much in that. Um, So today, as I'm talking, I'm going to be using a couple of words. And because we've got all kinds of different people in the congregation, I'm not going to assume that we know what these words mean. It's really good sometimes just to revisit and refresh our memories of what things mean. So when I say the word interceding, what I mean is standing in the gap on our behalf through prayer. And when I say advocate, what I mean is pleading our case 
speaking on our behalf, in our defence, and it also means helper, advisor, counsellor. Okay, so that's where we're going today. So we're talking about Jesus being our advocate. And Jesus being our advocate is part of the bigger gospel story that we sometimes don't dwell on so much. We know that he's our advocate, we mention that he's our advocate, but we might not explore what that can bring to us. So we know that sin separated us from God, but God's plan was to make a way. And that, that saw Jesus come into the world. He was born. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, bearing our sin on his shoulders, as we've been singing about it this morning. We're free because he bore the cost. He died on the cross and he was buried. And he rose again, defeating death. Wow. And he ascended into heaven. And he is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, right now. Just think on that a minute. He is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. And we know Jesus is alive. We celebrate that Jesus is alive. And one of my favourite worship times in the calendar year is Easter, when we are really, really revelling in the fact that Jesus is alive. But do we ever think about the reality of him being alive moment by moment? What's he doing? Is he bored in heaven? Definitely not. He's interceding for us. And Hebrews 7, verse 24 and 25 talks about the fact that he, because he's alive at all times, he's able to save those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So Jesus is alive. He's praying the will of the Father for us. For, you, for, for me and you right now. Why? Well, it's because we continue to sin. As believers, we continue to sin. Yes, we're learning, we're growing, we make changes, we win battles, but we stumble and we fall. I want you to be brave and take a look around you. We are a gathered people this morning. We are a gathering of blessed people. We're a gathering of beloved people. We're a gathering of forgiven people. But we are not a gathering of perfect people. Can I get an amen? Amen. We are not a gathering of perfect people. We mess up. We make poor decisions. We walk in attitudes that are not okay. I'm looking down right now. (laughs) So part of this outworking of God's salvation plan is that Jesus intercedes for us and Jesus being our advocate, which is what we're looking at this morning, links really closely to that truth, okay? They go together. He intercedes and he advocates. Those are the things that he does because he's alive. It's amazing. It's part of the reality of him being alive and it speaks out this plan that was made at the very beginning of time. This has been such a great few weeks just wait, sitting in this truth, waiting in this truth. I just want to really recommend um, getting hold of that book uh, that I talked about earlier. Um, even online, actually, um, there's, 
some uh, YouTube uh, devotional things where just there are excerpts of the book that talk about this truth of Jesus being our advocate and Jesus um, interceding for us. And it's so incredible to sit and soak in those things. I can highly recommend it. So what does this moment of advocating look like? What does it sound like? How does it work? Well, the biblical word for advocate in 1 John that we read um, has this emphasis of meaning on the idea of uh, a defender. So like in a court. So um, one who would speak on our behalf in a legal setting. So I want you to think about your best courtroom dramas right now. Okay. Our Western modern day experience tells us that it plays out something like this. The defence stands. We are in the dock. I'm too short to make this work. (laughs) I was trying to be like super like guilty, but it's just not working because I'm too short. Anyway, the defence stands and we're in the dock. We're accused and we are guilty. And the identity of the judge in front of us is, uh, and the prosecutors and the defence, their identity is concealed because they, for some reason, they wear wigs and they wear robes. And and we don't know them. They're motivated by the fact that this is their job. They They don't know us. The ceremony and tradition of the court process completely removes our confidence. Our defence stand away from us and they speak this language that is very confusing. I mean, this would be my experience if I was in court. I wouldn't understand what was going on. And the judge, like he doesn't know us, the defence team and the prosecutors, they don't know us. Our defence team might challenge the charge or they might make excuses but they can't really advocate for us in this setting because they're working with external evidence and they're working maybe with witness testimony. So the gavel goes down. That wasn't an echoing gavel, never mind. The judgment lands and it is that we're guilty. We are guilty. But that isn't how God's plan unfolds. That isn't what we're supposed to think about when we read this word, advocate. Because God's plan and God's the scene that unfolds is very different. So the reality of the scene is that identities are not concealed. In fact, this is a scene of a loving family with deep relationships. Father God, Father God a God of justice and of might, but a God who's slow to anger and abounding in love. And Jesus, his son, our saviour, our friend and king, have a conversation. And I find it breathtaking to imagine this, to think about where and when this conversation might take place, where we're all standing, how it works. The amazing thing about that is to think that this conversation is taking place as we are sinning. In the midst of our mess, 
Jesus, our advocate, takes his place. And where does he stand? Well, in Gentle and Lowly, Dane Altland puts it like this. He says, an intercessor stands in between two parties. But an advocate doesn't simply stand in between the two parties. So Jesus doesn't stand between us and between God. He steps over and he joins (laughs) <laughs> he steps over and he joins the one party as, he, as they approach the other. So Jesus is right there. He's right there. He's with us. Jesus positions himself by our side and he's advocating from there because he knows. He knows us. He knows what it is to walk on the earth. He knows what it is to face temptation. He's been rejected. He's been overlooked. He's been misunderstood. And he's been abused. And he draws alongside us. And he stands there in our mess with us. What a saviour. What a saviour. And this is so Jesus. This is the Jesus that we recognise from the Gospels. When we've been looking at the Gospel series that we did before, you know, we, we, we talked about people that met Jesus and we heard so many amazing stories in the Bible about how he met people, where they were again and again and again. He drew near to them in the middle of their mess, in, the, in their sin, in their pain, in the struggle, And as he spoke to them, each time, what's the pattern that we see? He speaks life. He speaks value. He speaks identity. He speaks freedom. And he speaks healing. Again and again and again. He would make a way each time. Because that's Jesus. He makes a way to the Father. I want you to be brave. I want you to think back to a recent situation that you might have repented from. Whatever recent situation, maybe God's bringing something to mind right now. I mean, during worship time, he was speaking to us about this, wasn't he? He was bringing stuff to mind. Your heart is repentant, right? My heart's repentant. I mess up, but my heart is for Jesus. So my heart is repentant. So now I want you to listen to the conversation that's going on. As you think about that thing that that happened, let's imagine that Jesus is right there. Let's say knee deep. I mean, that's my life. Knee deep, maybe waist deep sometimes in my mess. In the mess of the situation. And I want you to hear Jesus saying, Father, Father, that debt is paid. This beloved one is guilty, but I have paid their debt in full. My righteousness was given to them when they trusted in me for salvation and forgiveness. I have paid the price. It is finished. Now, I just want you to imagine your view changing. I want you to stand by the Father. What's he seeing? 
he looks out on this scene. What's he looking at? He's looking at you and he's looking at Jesus. And he sees Jesus, our advocate, speaking. And he sees that Jesus is speaking from a position of strength and righteousness because it's his blood that is paid for our sin. Past, present and future. Our position as the righteousness of Christ is secure in this moment. The one who purchased it with his own blood is also the one advocating for us. What a picture. The father looks and he already sees us as righteous in Christ. What he sees is us standing alongside Jesus And what are we wearing? (laughs) Royal robes. Royal robes. In that moment, royal robes of righteousness. This is the most incredible, mind-blowing, stunning grace. It's such grace. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve it. It's such breathtaking grace. Just take that in for a second. This is undeserved. We are guilty. And we've done nothing to earn those robes that we're wearing. But we, there we are, standing, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Wow. Jesus died to make a way. And as he speaks for us in this moment... He continues to make a way. He's the way maker. He builds the bridge to the Father. He takes us there. And all this is unfolding from this place of relationship. God the Father is listening to Jesus the Son, but also God knows us. We are known. Our creator, who knows our hearts, is familiar with all of our ways, has written a book with all the days that he's ordained for us, is looking at us. We are known. So when I was thinking about these words and meditating on these words that are going on, this advocating scene that is going on, I really began to understand that there's a power in listening to these words of Jesus, to these advocating words of Jesus. Because the words of Jesus speak life to us. And they speak about our identity and value, and they bring healing and freedom. It's the same Jesus from the gospel who's speaking for us. So so if we listen to the words of Jesus as he advocates for us, not only do we find our way back to deep relationship with God. You know, there are times when, um, when we sin where it can feel like there's clouds, yeah? It, it can feel like there's, the sin comes in and it gets in the way of our relationship. Um, and, and it can be like clouds are getting in the way. But when we listen to these words of Jesus, it's like the clouds clear because it's like we're, we're restored. Yeah? 
this whole advocating scene, you know, when I was preparing, I was like, what, why, why, why is this happening? Why do we need this? What is this about? Our debts have been paid. Jesus knows that he paid for them. God knows that he paid for them. So why, why do we need Jesus to advocate for us? What's that about? Well, it's because of this separation, these clouds that I'm talking about. They block our view. They change our view of everything. And as we hear the words of Jesus advocating for us, we begin to see this way back. And the clouds of separation that, that sin have caused begin to kind of move back. And this is exactly what, John, uh, what was, what was uh, being spoken about in 1 John. He's saying, I'm saying this so that you don't sin, but if you do sin, Jesus advocating for you is the way back. Yeah? So these truths, these, these words of truth that Jesus is speaking, it reminds me of this idea of listening into conversations, overhearing um, conversations between God, the Father, and Jesus. So sometimes as parents, Anil and I uh, would and still do have conversations within earshot of our boys. We do it on purpose. It's planned. But don't tell them. I mean, they probably have figured out it out. But, you know, the whole point is that they can overhear us. Um, and they can overhear our encouragement and our affirmations. And it does them good. You know, it might be something about uh, something that they've battled and they've overcome or, or they've been kind or they've done something that we were surprised by in a positive way. And we will sit and we will go, wow, wasn't that amazing? That's great. I'm so, I'm so happy to see him break through in that. Or I'm so encouraged by that, that thing that he did, the way that he encouraged that person or whatever. And they're hearing us talk about them like that. And it does them so much good and it helps them to receive something that they might not be able to receive if we sat them down and said, well done, son. Yeah, it just helps them. And so I feel like sometimes this conversation, this ad, this, the, when Jesus is advocating for us, it's a bit like that for us. And thinking about these words that Jesus speaks has helped me to move past some really challenging things um, because it's about, it's about the power of the words that he's speaking. And sometimes um, I find these words come to me like, they, they become like a sword and a shield. Um, and I can fight things that the enemy want, would want to use to discourage me or paralyze me with. So I'll give you an example. One of my earliest childhood memories was being in a new school and um, I must have been in equivalent of reception or year one it was a very small village school so it was kind of grouped years and I was painting so I was about probably four and a half five and a bit of a Van Gogh <laughs> and I was painting this night sky and I just vividly remember trying so hard to uh, put, uh, put stars and galaxies. I must have watched um, 
for some of you who are old enough, Tony Hart or something. I must have watched something like that that gave me this idea of what a night sky was like because I probably hadn't seen much of one. But anyway, so I knew, I vividly remember what I was aiming for with this beautiful picture that I was doing, and it was beautiful. And um, when I'd finished, I had paint all over my hands, and it was, you know, I'd been using my hands because it was really, like, expression-filled. And I had probably, it probably was quite messy. But... um, the teacher came over and saw the paint on my hands and sent me off to wash my hands. And as she did, she called me a disgusting child. Go and wash your hands, you disgusting child. Great teacher. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but that memory really impacted me quite into quite mature adult years. And along the way, you know, there were other other words, teenagers, you know what they're like, kids at school, it can be like that. Um, Other words, even to adulthood, that different people said that just really had impacted me. And what I began to do is use these advocating words of Jesus. I mean, all through, it's it's the words that Jesus said that that says that really speak to me. Um, And I was able to use those words, not only to get to a better place sort of in terms of sin, but also to be restored and to fight the the lies of these words over me. So what, what happens is the thing that I start to think about is that Jesus knows me. That teacher didn't know me. The other people in my life that have called me things or said things don't really know me. They don't know me like Jesus knows me. Jesus knows me. He knows me and he calls me friend. He calls me beloved. And as he stands with me in my mess, he speaks life. So that means that I can declare that in response to these damaging words. I can choose to listen to the life-giving conversation between the father and the son. Because these words are the words that have authority over my life. And these words are what silences the enemy's lies. Jesus really knows me. Jesus really knows you more than anyone else. Jesus sees us at our absolute worst. In the depth of our sin... And he doesn't write us off. In fact, it's at that time when no one else would advocate for us that he will and he does. And when he does it, he speaks life. He speaks abundant life. So in the midst of sin, we can sometimes imagine Jesus being far off. But actually, that is when he positions himself closer to us. Think about the Jesus we talked about as we, that we read in the Gospels. And if you don't know him like that, read the Gospels. Get to know him like that. Read the Gospels. Because when you do, you'll see again and again, he draws near to those who are in a mess. And he does it in a way that is so beautiful. 
His words have power to lead us back from sin, but also to break the power of these words that can sometimes be spoken over us. And the words that sometimes we can speak over ourselves. And this is what I feel God's got for us this morning. I feel that he wants us to know about the way that he advocates for us and the grace that it unlocks for us. But I also feel he wants us to hear this conversation that's going on. I feel he wants us to hear and understand that we need to activate that. We need to use that. Yes, it's about sin. It's about dealing with sin and getting rid of sin. But it's also about dealing with discouragement, pain and hurt sometimes. Think about some of the things we might say over ourselves. Oh, I'm never going to beat this issue. I'm so rubbish. I'm such a bad person. No. We don't know better than Jesus. We don't. Our words are not wiser. Our words over ourselves are not wiser than Jesus's. Our perspective is not perfect. Our understanding is not complete. We need more of him in our lives. We need more of him. So Jesus is advocating and interceding for us. And also, think about this. Advocating and interceding is not an action that someone who doesn't love the person they're interceding or advocating for is going to do, is it? You don't do these kinds of things if you've written the person off that you're praying for or that you're standing for. You, you don't do those kinds of things. If you've given up on them, you just don't do it. So we need to recognise that this is how Jesus sees us. We need to hear what he says about us and we need to see how the Father sees us. And we need to get rid of anything that stands in the way of that. In my life, knowing how God sees me has begun to tear down the lies. I say begun, there's always more to do. But knowing how God sees me has begun to tear down the lies of how man sees me sometimes. And that is how I battle. I do sin. Anyone else? I do sin. I do fall short. All the time. Ask Neil. He'll tell you. But when I do, this is how I want to be. This is a quote from Dane Ortland. When I sin, I don't want to minimise my sin or excuse it away. I don't want to raise any defence. I simply want to take it to the one who is already at the right hand of the Father, advocating for me on the basis of his own wounds. St. Orton says this, let your own unrighteousness in all your darkness and despair drive you to Jesus Christ, the righteousness, the righteous one, in all his brightness and sufficiency. So I want to ask the band to come up, please, because we, oh, we need to do some response, okay? Anil, could you, would you mind getting the chair and stuff out and just putting it over here? Is that all right? Thanks. It's just behind there. Thank you. 
So today, as we think of Jesus being our advocate, I really want us to take some action. So um, some of us might need to repent. Probably most of us. Let's be real. We sin. We fall short. We might need to repent. But also, I feel like God wants to get rid of some debris relating to words spoken over us or to us that might have damaged us or hurt us. They can become like rocks. This is the big reveal. This is why you've got pebbles on your seat. If you don't have a pebble on your seat, if you only have one and you need more, there are some others scattered around. Nobody's looking. Just go and get more. Go get as many as you need because we want to get rid of some of these rocks today. We don't want to go out of here carrying rocks. It's pointless. It's just silly. We want to get rid of them. Recently, um, Anil and I went to Eastbourne, and while we were there, God spoke to us really powerfully about doing just that. He wanted us to leave behind some of the rocks that we had in our lives. We went along the beach. And there were some big rocks that we picked up. And he spoke to us about throwing them into the sea. And he told us what they were. And the release that came when we threw those rocks into the sea was the most beautiful feeling. Now, I'm really sorry, but we don't have sea today. But we've got a bin. And what I want to ask you to do is I want you to take a minute just as the band play to just hold a rock or two or three I think mine were about seven or eight in the sea but I could have done more it doesn't matter about how many what matters is that you get them in the bin and I want to ask you to pray and ask God what is the rock that you want me to get rid of today what is the rock is it, is it a word that somebody's spoken that's hurt me and I've taken it on is it something somebody in my family has said is it sin what is it what is it you want to get me to get rid of today Lord and what I want you to ask you to do is when you're ready just to come forward we've got to be COVID safe so just keep your distance I want you to come forward and I want you to throw your rock in the bin throw it in the bin and then I want to ask you to come over to this chair where we've got some bags of sand and I want to ask you to pick up a bag of sand because you know what is good to replace rocks with sand do you know why because in Psalm 139 It says this. It tells us that we are known. Oh Lord, you've searched me and you know me. It tells us that he is acquainted with us. He's familiar with all of our ways. And it tells us that his thoughts are towards us. How precious are your thoughts to me, oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. 
I want you to take your packet of sand and I want you to take it home with you. And at some point today, I want you to pour it out through your fingers. I want you to try and understand the number of thoughts that God has for you. As the sand trickles through and as you find it later and it's annoying you and you can't brush it off your hands and you're still finding grains in a week's time, the thoughts of God are for you. Jesus is advocating for you. He's interceding. They love us. They love us. We mess up, we sin, but they love us. And as you take your sand, just so that we're safe, I want to ask if you just file out and then come back round through the door in the back and then we're going to have some worship time. So let's take our rocks take this time to pray as the music plays and as we sing.